This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead with the Moorhead team, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we've got another Central Texas investor in here for you. Michael Aranini is down in San Antonio, and he is doing flips, he is doing burrs, and he's doing a lot of wholesaling. So we wanted to bring him on here today to talk all about all the amazing things he's doing. Hey, Michael, how are you? I'm good. I am so happy to be on here, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to have you on. Um, Real quick, Michael, could you just tell us who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing? Yeah. So again, my name is Michael Aranini. Um, I'm based out of San Antonio, Texas. Um, for the last about five, six years or so, um, I've been wholesaling, flipping, um, done some creative stuff like the sub twos, wraps, things like that. Um, and now I'm starting to acquire some rental properties using the birth strategy. Um, I'm also a licensed agent. I don't really focus much on the agent side of things. I really just use that for my own personal behalf, but yeah, that's what I do in real estate. Awesome. Um, and I know, I know we actually met at a powerlifting meet about five years ago and it just so happened. We both got interested in real estate right at the same time almost. So it's really cool to see your progress and see what you're doing. Um, so you talked about you're doing some flips, you're doing some burrs, and you're doing some wholesale deals. You also have a license. I assume that's mostly to sell the flips. Is, is that why you have a license? Yeah. So initially I got my, uh, my license so I could um, just have a little bit more control on the, the sell side. Mm-hmm. Um, also saves me money when I'm selling the properties too. Um, and it also ended up giving me MLS access. So just for, for those things really. Yeah. It probably helps pull in comps and just being on top of things. Right, right. It's a lot better than using Zillow and all that stuff to run your comps. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I just learned this today, actually. The reason Zillow's estimate is so messed up in Texas, and this is kind of self-explanatory, is because we're a non-disclosure state, and Zillow is not able to get accurate data about property in Texas. So that's one of the reasons those estimates are so off here. They're already off a lot of other places, but when it comes to Texas, we're even worse. So you're listening to this. Don't use Zillow to figure out the value of your home. Talk to a licensed realtor. Um, there's other ways. What prop stream is a good way to get comps, I think. Um, so I, I've never used prop stream. Um, things I have used is um, like Redfin. I'll use Redfin, but not the Redfin estimate itself. I'll take a look at um, the actual sold comps. So I'll kind of draw like a radius or do a neighborhood search mm-hmm. and I'll see what the property sold for. Um, it does tell you the values and what they sold for, just like the MLS would, but you don't get all the details. Um, you won't get all the you know listing information, maybe the concessions that went into things. You won't get like details about, you know, maybe a house was sold but needed foundation work and had problems like that. You won't see all that stuff. So it's kind of the downside of not having the MLS. Sure. Yeah, so um, good reason if you're gonna, and I always tell people, people ask me all the time, should I get a should I get a real estate license? And I usually say, hey, if you're gonna be a realtor or if you wanna be a flipper and you wanna sell a lot of houses, 
it can be very useful. If you're a buy and hold investor, I don't think it's as useful just because of the cost. But if you're a flipper and you're selling four or five, six houses a year, it can make up for itself really easily. Um, so Michael, what initially attracted you to real estate investing? Yeah. So, um, I mean, since I was young, I kind of wanted to do something where I could make a good amount of money. Um, my dad had been in real estate a little bit, kind of, you know, dabbling when we were younger. Um, when we lived in Maryland, actually. So this was, I don't know, I think we moved here in like 06 or something to Texas. So um, this was before the real estate crash. He had done some stuff. I don't think he ever really made a ton of money in real estate, but it kind of like piqued my interest. So um, back in, it was 2015, I was in school at the time. And um, I just moved from uh, the Rio Grande Valley to San Antonio. And I started hearing stuff like on you know Instagram, YouTube, about how you could flip houses with no money, no credit. And at the time, I didn't really have money. Um, my credit was actually really good, but um, I had no money. So I was like, okay, cool, I could, I could do that. Um, so I started learning about wholesaling, bought a couple courses. And um, yeah, that's how I got my start. Okay, so you started with wholesaling. Um, just because you, you didn't have a lot of resources in the very beginning. Um, do you yeah. remember what the courses were that you got? So I got a course from a guy named Sean Terry. And honestly, I mean, there's nothing against his stuff, but it wasn't very, um, I wouldn't say the course was super helpful for me. What was super helpful though, was um, like their community. So there were some guys in there that were actually in San Antonio. And one guy specifically who was in San Antonio, and I kind of connected with him through that um, that course I purchased, and um, he helped me out a lot personally. So I was always, you know, going with him to appointments and looking at his products he was doing. Um, and whenever I did finally get, you know, good leads and things like that, he um, he helped me to lock those up. So yeah, that was my start. Awesome. So you just leveraged the other people in the course to find the right way in. So. Right. For everybody listening that doesn't know what wholesaling is, can you explain to our listeners what you do and, and how you make money doing that? Yeah, so wholesaling, I don't do a ton of wholesaling now. I try to focus on flipping, and um, this year I want to focus a lot too on the rental properties. But um, I think it's really good to wholesale or at least know how to wholesale because essentially what you're doing is you're going direct to seller majority of the time and you're trying to find distressed properties, distressed property owners and get their property under contract at a discounted price. And then you would turn around and basically find a cash buyer and sell that to them at some what of a markup to where it's still a discounted price. It's still a great deal, um, but you're making a markup. So for example, you can find a property that let's say the after repair value is $200,000, um, but it needs $50,000 in repairs. Um, if you can get that under contract for 90,000 and then sell that to a cash buyer for, I don't know, a hundred thousand, 110,000, that's still a good deal for the buyer. Um, but I'm able to make the difference there. So that's what you can do as a wholesaler. Awesome. And, uh, a question that, that I have that I would like to ask, and I think this will help our buyers or sorry, our listeners learn a lot is why is it so much more common that wholesalers want cash buyers? So I know everybody wants to go buy a wholesale deal because you can get these better deals. Typically, they're they're needing a lot of rehab, but some people are okay with that. And they want to go and put 20% down on a, a traditional conventional mortgage. It's going to take 30 to 45 days to close. 
why do you not want to work with that person over just finding a cash buyer? Um, a couple of reasons. So a lot of times traditional lenders um, won't lend on properties that are needing major repairs that aren't really habitable. Um, so that's a big thing there, but also with the title, typically, um, with a traditional lender, they're going to want the buyer to have a contract directly with the seller. Um, they don't want you doing an assignment type of transaction. Um, now to get around that you could double close, but again, some lenders also want the a person selling it to actually be on title. And when you're doing a double close, you're not on title yet. So. It's just easiest working with a cash buyer or someone using, you know, private or hard money. Yeah, and we private and hard money can be great. Of course, cash is great if you've got cash, but I think the, the easy route is just going to a lender, getting approved, you get a great interest rate, you get a 30-year loan. It's super sweet. And when you're gonna do that, in my opinion, it's best just to go through the MLS or an agent. But if you're going to use cash or hard money or private money, you could start to go to the wholesalers and you could start to find your off-market deals. Absolutely. And what you can also do too, even if it's a property that you want to live in, you could basically do a burr. I mean, that's what we did with our personal property. We, um, I bought it with uh, private money um, and then ended up fixing it up and then refinanced it with a traditional uh, mortgage. So that's a route too you can go um, as well for something like that. So you can still buy a fixed wrapper, a good deal. and um, make sense for you that's awesome i didn't know you did that with your your personal residence too yeah it wasn't a plan initially it was going to be a flip but um my me and my wife we just got engaged at the time and um it was just really just a good house for us um it was an area we liked it had a really big lot um it was a you know three bedroom two bath like 1700 square feet so um yeah i got under contract bought it we did like the demo and then she was like i like this house so we just <laughs> end up refinancing and holding on to it. That's awesome. Yeah, so lots of great, get in a creative way and you can absolutely put it in on a long-term finance deal so you can do a burr there. But um, if you're gonna do do the, the wholesaling deals, you're typically hard money, private money, or cash. You know, If you've got cash, cash is always easiest, but not everybody has the cash to buy these deals. Um, so you've done a lot of flips, you've done a lot of wholesale deals, and you've now done a few burrs, um, and then you've represented some buyers. Could you give us some advice on how to avoid a bad deal in Central Texas, like issues you've seen or problems, maybe not specifically to the property, but just dealing with a certain transaction of what people should look for and maybe things that people should avoid? Um. I mean, the main issues I've run into is just, it's really with the property. So there's certain things that you need to look for, especially when you're, you're buying, you know, fixed upper properties. Um, things like the foundation is a big one. So before I got into real estate, I didn't, didn't know that foundations can be out of level. I didn't know that that happened. So um, if you're newer to real estate, that's definitely something to, um, you know, I guess learn about a little bit. So that way you can kind of spot those things or maybe have an inspector or a contractor go with you until you can understand that stuff yourself. Um, some other stuff too is like uh, wiring. So I didn't understand what it meant when there's no ground wiring, um, there's open ground. Um, or when houses have aluminum wiring, those are things also that could potentially um, need to be fixed and it could be pretty costly. Um, another thing too that we were talking about before we went live here was um, the plumbing stuff. So when you do do a foundation job, a lot of times there might be broken plumbing after the fact. 
So that was something too. So the foundation bit is one thing, but then you have to factor for possibly having plumbing after as well. Mm -hmm. um, so just kind of some of those things that um, a lot of folks don't really think about that older homes are going to run into. Yeah. And I think just to, to better explain the plumbing when you're doing foundation work. So if you've got a slab house and you move the slab, maybe you level it and make it right, but that jacked up part of the plumbing in there. And now you've got a broken pipe in the slab that you need to fix. Um, there's just lots of, lots of potential issues, but I think people typically hear the word foundation problem and get really scared. I know you've got some experience fixing foundations. It's not always the scariest thing in the world. You know, some of it can be relatively inexpensive to fix and pretty easy stuff. Yeah, I've got a, right now I have four projects going on and three out of four of them um, had foundation work done on them. So it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's just something you have to factor for, like I was saying, um, and work with someone that's reputable to, to do the work on it. Awesome. So that's crazy. 75% of the deals you've got going right now. And those are flips? Yeah. Like flips um, or burrs? Two of them burrs, two flips. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So if you would have said, no, I'm not doing any sort of foundation work, 75% of those deals wouldn't happen. Right, right. And um, I mean, there's there's things too, like you got to understand like why the foundation issues come into, into play. Because um, a big part of that is like when there's water underneath the house. So what helps a lot to avoid foundation issues in the future is like getting a gutter system and making sure that the, the slope of like the dirt around the house is going away from it. Um, things like that. And um, like I said, it's just, it's not that scary of a thing to do foundation repair. Um, it's just the way the soil is in a lot of Texas really that um, shifts as it dries and gets wet. So yeah, foundation issues. So if you're gonna do real estate deals, I mean, it's just a part of it here. Yeah, and especially if you don't have gutters around your house, you know, so I actually just bought a house here in Austin, no gutters on it, which is most of the houses I buy here in Austin don't have gutters. But at the corner where the roof comes together, it's been pouring water down onto the ground. And there's almost a crater down there where the water's eaten away all the dirt or washed away all the dirt. And there are some minor foundation issues in this house. Me personally, if it doesn't need to be fixed because I'm mostly looking to hold on to his rentals, I won't fix it. But you have to get the gutters in there. You have to get the grading right. Uh, like Michael's saying, it's not something to freak out about. It's just how big of a deal is it and how do I prevent it from happening for more damage? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Michael, if somebody's looking to get into wholesaling and to get into flipping, what's the one thing you're telling a newer investor? Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Um, I think the, the best thing to do is going to be to find someone who's already doing it, um, to help you out. Ideally someone who's local. Um, but if not, I mean, there's people who are, you know, online teaching main thing, like I said, is just find someone who's actually doing it, not someone who was doing it, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago, but someone who's doing it now. Um, 
and have them help you out. So that might be something that's paid. It might be something where they're you know willing to help you out for free. It might be something where you're agreeing to split deals. Um, but I think that's the best way to learn. There's a lot of information on like you know Google, YouTube, but it's just all over the place. Some of the information's good, some of it's not so good. So yeah. <laughs> And I like what you you said there too. You said, find somebody local who's doing it. Yeah. Real estate's local. I mean, the stuff that's going on in Los Angeles, California is totally different than the market in San Antonio or Austin, even Austin and San Antonio are a lot different. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a big deal for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so important for some of the issues we've discussed just a minute ago, you know, foundation problems in, in the Northeast. So in Maryland, are probably a much bigger deal because they have basements. So foundation problems aren't as simple as just jacking up a small corner of the house um, or fixing a few piers where here we don't have basements. So it's either pier and beam or slab foundation and those aren't as hard to fix. So you really want to have somebody local. 100%, 100%. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that. Um, another thing too, like I know in some markets like, um, you know, Phoenix, there's some markets that are a lot newer of homes like Phoenix, Las Vegas, um, where they don't have to deal with some of the issues that we might have to deal with because we have homes that are built in like the early 1900s. So a lot of things like that are, um, make it important to find someone who's local if you can. And, and that's a good, good differentiation between Austin and San Antonio, where a lot of Austin is a little newer, uh, maybe seventies, eighties, nineties. And. A lot of San Antonio is just a lot older because there's been people there since Alamo. Yeah, old city. <laughs> yeah, there's just big differences. Uh, it's a 90 mile drive, uh, maybe not even that much, but about an hour and a half drive in between the two and they're, they're so different. Yeah, yeah, the price points are different, the appreciation, how they do as a rental market, a lot of those things, yeah. So different. So Michael, You've been doing a lot of big stuff this year. You're, you're getting getting into rentals. You're doing a lot bit more flips. Um, what's next for you? What are your long-term goals and what's your vision for your real estate business? Um, so for this year, um, I'm trying to do a lot more flips. So last year I had done 12. So this year I want to hit 30 flips. Um, and I also want to buy and hold uh, 10 properties this year. So yeah, it's it's... I'm trying to really just increase the net worth, you know, get the tax benefits as well from the, the rental properties um, and really keep that engine going with all the, the wholesaling stuff. I was going to say this earlier, I forgot, but I think it's really beneficial when you start with wholesaling because you can basically learn how to find and source your own deals. So um, the majority of the deals that I, I buy are stuff that I found direct to seller myself. Um, and not to say that it's bad to, you know, buy from a wholesaler or, you know, from the MLS, anything like that. It's definitely not. But um, some of those things can be a little bit less dependable. So it's great if you can, um, you know, figure out how to find this stuff yourself and do that. Awesome. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. If you find the deal, the rest of it gets a lot easier. So uh, find a great deal. The rest will follow. Um, I know finding a great deal in this market is really hard because everybody has so much information available to them right now. They could see roughly what a property's worth. They have a general idea. Um, what are your best tips for finding deals? Maybe not specific ways that you're finding them, but what do you look for when you're talking to a seller to say, Hey, that I can help this person get out of their situation. And this could be a good deal for me. 
So for me, um, I mean, I'm looking for equity. So I'm looking for just deals that have meat on the bone. What I look for though with sellers, um, for me, I'm very, um, I guess like sniper approached. Some folks when they do marketing, they're marketing to, you know, everyone who has equity or everyone who owns a home pretty much. Um, I'm focused on people who I know have, you know, big problems. So people who have, you know, tax delinquent, city liens, um, code violations, um, inherited properties, people with um, title issues, things like that, that I know that I can um, kind of unwind and, and resolve. So I kind of just accumulate a ton of different data and different lists like that. Um, and I look for the properties that are stacked with a ton of them. So that kind of indicates that they've got big issues. Um, and then I'll go after them. So it's a little bit different, you know, doing that than just going after a general homeowner because um, most folks who are in situations like this, they're a bit more motivated. Um, and there's also not as many people that can kind of solve the problems that they have. So yeah, that's kind of my approach to it. Sure. Yeah. So you're coming in with a cash offer that can solve all their problems. And I think yeah. that's, sorry, go ahead. I think that's, that's an important piece. You're trying to solve people's problems. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, no one's going to sell me their house at 50 cents a dollar or whatever it is. If um, I'm not taking care of whatever needs that they have. So a lot of times, um, whenever I am buying a property, it's a lot more than just the offer. It's, you know, helping them get moved or maybe, you know, fronting them a little bit of money and earnest money or option money. So that way they can take care of something they need. Um, there's just different situations. I had a guy one time who um, lived in Houston, had a property here in San Antonio, and I put all his stuff in storage from the house for him um, so that we could buy his property. So he'd had a stroke like probably like a year ago. And he needed to sell the place, but he had no way of really getting to San Antonio and taking care of the stuff. So I went ahead and took care of that for him, put everything in storage, and he sold me the house. So just whatever it takes to get it done. That's awesome. That's a really cool story. Um, yeah. It's a hoarder house. Oh, so you put a lot of stuff in storage for this guy. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, again, you solved a problem. You know, he couldn't get back to San Antonio, you said, okay, what's the problem? He has all his stuff in the house. He can't get here. How do I solve this problem for him, make his life easier, and then give him some money? So you know, it's a really, really cool thing you did there. Uh, probably not something that's going to work for a traditional real estate deal. He may not be able to call a realtor and get all his stuff put in storage and get his house sold and, and have somebody that's willing to deal with some of the damage that's done by hoarding too at the same time. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here, and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Right, right. And the same thing goes too with um, you know, some of the legal stuff. I mean, at this point, I've, I've dealt with a lot of different you know, title issues and things of that sort, so I know how to handle them. Um, but um, there's a lot of things that I know some realtors have come across and it's just not their forte, right? They, they're not dealing with, you know, the inherited properties where there's a certain sibling or family member who isn't cooperating. Um, so it's just not really worth uh, their time to deal with some of these folks. Um, and that's where I can come into play and help them out. Awesome. Uh, so Michael, I know you're in some masterminds and obviously you've done a bunch of education do you have a favorite book that you like to recommend a favorite business or mindset book you like to recommend to people? 
Um, favorite book I've read is probably The Compound Effect um, by Darren Hardy. I think that book was um, really good. Just, you know, talks about momentum pretty much and how, you know, our momentum is either, you know, positive or negative, but either way, it's, it's compounding, it's building upon itself. So, you know, if you're just getting 1% better or doing, you know, 1% each day, then it adds up over time to be a lot. Um, but like I said, that's either good or bad. If you're doing bad stuff or have bad habits, it's over time, it's going to be pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but if you're doing good stuff, you can look up after a long time and be like, wow, I got a lot done. So, yeah. And there's another book I'm reading right now called The Gap and the Gain. And I think it's so easy to think I'm not making progress back to the compound effect. And you can look back over a long period of time and say, wow, look at where I've come from. I like to keep my journals. I, I journal every morning just about goals, about things I'm doing. I love to look back at what my goals were five years ago. You know, same as you're saying, hey, last year I saw I flipped, what's it, 13 houses? This year I want to flip 30. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That's more than double. And I'm yeah. sure in a couple of years you'll look back and say, I was only trying to flip 30. Yeah, it really is. Because I remember when I um, was like, I want to do my first flip, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been wholesaling and I was like, okay, I actually want to buy a property now and flip it. And how like exciting. That was a huge like achievement. And now it's like, all right, let's, let's do 30. So. <laughs> yeah. And make sure for everybody listening, make sure you keep track of this stuff. Because, you know, if, if you don't realize that, hey, I, I went from barely being able to, to buy one rental property to I own 10, it doesn't feel like you're doing a lot when you own 10 and you want to own 30. But look where you come from. I think that's such an important lesson. Um, and if that compound effect over and over and over, 1% better every day or every month is a, a lot better over a long period of time. Time is your friend with real estate. Absolutely. Uh, Michael, what's the best way to pe for people to learn more about you or how can people follow you? Um, people can add me on Facebook. It's just Michael Aranini. Um, Instagram as well as michael.aranini. Um, I also have a YouTube where I put out a few videos um, so you can follow me there as well. Awesome. And we'll make sure to put that stuff in the show notes. Um, last question, Michael, most important question we ask all day. What's your favorite restaurant in Austin? Um, man, that's a tough one. So I, uh, I'm pretty simple. Usually when I go out to eat or anything like that, it's nothing crazy. So, I mean, just whatever. I'm a Whataburger guy. Awesome. Texas favorite. <laughs> yeah. All right, Michael, thank you so much for coming on here today. Again, if you guys want to follow Michael, Facebook and Instagram are some of the best spots. He's also on YouTube and we'll have all those links in the show notes. But look forward to talking to you here soon and look forward to hearing about those 30 flips at the end of this year. Sounds good, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me again. Yeah, thanks, Michael.